Father, we come before your throne at this time, at this moment that you have graced us. Father, to not hear men, but to hear you. Father, to stand in awesome awe of what you have done what you are doing and uh, what you shall complete. Father, as we draw to you this day, Father, give us focus upon your kingdom and your righteousness. Father, may we look at your word in a way that we understand the sacredness of it, the holiness of it, the power of it. And Father, may we, who are called by your name, with great eagerness, be as Jeremiah, find it and feast upon it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this gracious week. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your bride, your church. Father, may we May we grow in our understanding of your plan, your purposes, and the power which is behind all. In Christ's name, amen. Beginning in verse 6, chapter 3, 2 Corinthians, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. The letter kills, the Spirit gives life. But if the mystery of death and letters engraved on stone came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently end of what was fading away but their minds were hardened so until this very day at the reading of the old covenant the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in christ but to this day whenever moses is read a veil lies over their heart but whenever a person turns to the lord the veil is taken away now the lord is spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty but we all with unveiled face Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This is my time when I get to uh, realize the joy of the word of the Lord. It is the time that we draw together to worship in spirit and in truth. When I think about this text and the question that was 
basically laid out in verse 16 of chapter 2, who was adequate for these things. And then I cruise into chapter 3 on who makes it adequate, what is an adequate minister. And then it comes down there in verse 6 that it is adequate ministers are servants of a new covenant. When I think about the old covenant, I think that it is brought to the hearts of men and women by faith. When I think about the new covenant, it is brought to the hearts of women, men and women by faith. I hope as we look at this truth, we can rejoice because we are looking at the joy of the new covenant. We've seen it laid out, therefore, that it is not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills and the spirit gives life. God made us adequate ministers. He made us adequate servants. When I see the word minister, I immediately think servant. Okay. When I see bond slave, I see slave. Dulas. When, when I hear people tell me that I want to be a deacon, root word there, slave. Okay, please understand that word. It is not the politically correct word. It is slave. Bought, paid for, owned. It has a master. You're a tool. Well, that's cruel. Check out the alternative. He says that we and I are servants of a new covenant. I believe that if the Bible tells me I am a servant of something, I should understand what it is. Do I, as I sit here today, understand the nature of the new covenant? Not only its nature, but its definition. Do I understand its relationship to other covenants? Especially... What is known of the old covenant. That would be the one that I'm speaking of. Specifically the law given through Moses. Understanding the old covenant. And understanding the new covenant. Will give us an understanding. Into redemptive history. That's why I've been belaboring this point. I believe that many in the evangelical community today do not understand the sweep of redemptive history. We do not understand the divine purpose. Most people today, okay, you ask a Christian today, why did God save you? Okay. Why did he say, I have a salvation plan? The large majority of Christians will tell you it is so that you can go to heaven. And that is not why he saved you. Now, don't get me wrong. That, that is a bonus. Okay. That is not why he saved you. No one has been saved for the purpose of going to heaven, yet the purpose of salvation, you will go to heaven. You were saved 
to be reconciled to God. Did you know that? That's the purpose of salvation. Let me draw back the unity before the garden. That's why you're saved. And that salvation will be so massive that all the unredeemed will be jealous of your redemption, your reconciliation. You're going to look a little later here in chapter 4 that you, each and of us, knowing that we have a new covenant message, have a ministry, a service of what? Reconciliation. That's why you were saved. To understand these covenants and understand their relationships together is to understand Scripture and to understand God's saving purpose. Sadly, there has been and still is a lot of misunderstanding about this subject. It's obvious that it was written in this letter to the Corinthians uh, and there was a problem with Judaizers. If you read the letter to the uh, um, Galatians, you will see also it was there where people were wanting to bring symbols and ceremonies and rituals in and tie them in with the gospel and it'd be prettier. I pray that I can remove some of this misunderstanding. Okay? With that in mind, turn with me to Hebrews 11. (laughs) Hebrews 11. Some of you were with us a few years ago when we went through this letter. I will not spend that much time in it this time. As you've noticed, I've done kind of stuck my finger in eight and stuck my finger in nine. And most people would say, I'm still trying to figure out why would you go to 11? Those of us who have read the Bible and kind of know at it, we understand that Hebrews 11 is what has been called that faith hall of fame. These are men and women who, for lack of a better term, have excelled, okay? You and everybody here knows what a Hall of Fame is, right? you got Baseball Hall of Fame, Basketball Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame. We've got, uh, we've got a Hall of Fame for everything, if you think about it. We've got the actors have got Halls of Fame uh, or stars or boardwalks or whatever. We have a Hall of Fame for all kinds of things. I've seen a motorcycle Hall of Fame, and I thought, <laughs> anyway... Um, but but, I, but I've seen all of these things that y- you sit there. And basically, when you think about a Hall of Fame, you're looking at someone or something that overachieved in that line. Okay? When I look at chapter 11, I say, you know what? Here's a list of people of faith who overachieved, that excelled, that were way and above the call of duty. The exploits of the Old Testament heroes, the Old Testament saints. Now, first thing I want you to know about chapter 11, it's not exhaustive. Okay, uh, I have watched some people try to say if their name didn't appear in here, then they ain't saved. And that is silly. Okay, uh, They're not all the names that could be here are here. And there are some who aren't named, only what they did is here. Okay, it's a memorial to the heroes because of their their faith. Uh, It's a it's a tribute to faith. Okay, men and women whose faith uh, 
was profound, was unusual, was life-changing in their actions and their trust in God. And if you look through these, you will see people who were in extraordinarily difficult circumstances. In fact, if you're honest with yourself, these are models, these are examples, these are patterns of life that are given to you and I to follow. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The word therefore says, I want to refer back to what I've already given you because of what that pattern was. Let us run with endurance. Because there is this great witness. Let us beware of those things that entangles us. Let us run this race. Fixing our eyes. On Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. See, chapter 11, these people are models for you and I. You and I. They are examples. He says, you have such a great cloud of witnesses. And it literally means that there is this multitude of peoples whose lives bear testimony to faith in God. This faith, the benefits of this faith, the the superiority of living by this faith, the blessings of living by this faith is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to share with you and I. These are living people. These are, I I get tired of saying, let me tell you a Bible story. No, let me tell you a Bible historical fact. Okay? A Bible historical fact. These are living testimonies to faith and they are our heroes. They are our examples. They are the models that you and I should follow. If you look at this list here in chapter 11, what adversity in life did they face that you can't or you may have or you may be looking forward to? There's nothing in life taken in this text of these people in chapter 11 that they had not endured in faith in God that you and I will not cross. Okay, back to chapter 11, verse 2. Fascinating phrase. You guys think I'm getting slower? Watch this. For by it, the men of old gained approval. Gained approval. Okay. By it. What it did they gain approval? Faith, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things. Did you read this next line? Not seen. It's not seen. There's hope, there's assurance. There's conviction in 
faith. And once that conviction is set in there, guess what happens? You gain approval. One of the fascinating studies that I've ever done in my life is the book of Daniel. Okay, Daniel is an amazing book. And most people, when you talk about Daniel, you, you, you talk about the feet of clay and the iron and this and all, and all the rest of it. And all the rest of it. That is not what amazed me about that book. You know what amazed me about the most about the book of Daniel? Go read it. I ain't going to tell you where it's at because it's, I still stand in all of it. He's praying, remember? Okay. And he's just not getting an answer. Okay. And so there's a, a fervence to his prayer. And an angel of God shows up to Daniel. Okay. And he gives Daniel the answer to his prayer. Right? That ain't what freaks me out. It was the reply that the angel gave Daniel when he appeared. Daniel. Highly exalted. Where did the angel come from? Heaven. And the angel looks at Daniel and says, highly exalted. Do you understand that the cross hasn't taken place? Who's in the presence of God? The Godhead. The holy angels. Anything else? And yet, in the presence of the holy angels and the Godhead, Daniel is highly exalted. Do you ever think about that? I would tie that into this verse because it would say he was approved. If a holy angel shows up and says, you are highly exalted, I'm thinking you're kind of approved. Their faith was the cause of their approval. And their approval was not just by men. Their approval was by God. By faith we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God. Verse 3. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. They had become approved by God because of their faith. If you go through this thing, it will just absolutely blow your socks off. Check out verse 4. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Listen, Abel's first generation where? Out of the Garden of Eden. And he's approved by God. He's approved by God. Enoch, by faith, was taken up so that he would not see death. Proved by God, by his faith. Verse 7, Noah was approved by God. Why? By faith. God said, build a boat of destroying the earth. If he told you that right now, what would you say? Why? How big a boat? You know, you can use the Bill Cosby text. What's a cubit 
(laughs) But you see what I'm trying to get at? By faith, Noah said, now you can sit there and say, well, he built this big boat and he could put the animals in and all the rest. Let me tell you something. He preached for 120 years that God's getting ready to judge the planet Earth. Try that and see if you can do that without faith. Verse 8, you see Abraham who lived by faith. Verse 11, you see his wife living by faith. Verse 20, you see Isaac living by faith. Father, where will we get a sacrifice? Verse 21, we see Jacob. We Jacob gets a bad rap. You know, he was a conniver and he did this and he did that. You know what? He was still approved by God for his faith. Joseph. Sold into slavery. Becomes the right hand man of Pharaoh. And he did that by, by faith. 23, you see Moses. He was counted righteousness because of faith. Verse 31 is a good one. Rahab. Did you ever wonder what church she attended? <laughs> Do you see what I'm trying to get at? And yet, God did what to Rahab? He approved her because of her her faith. Verse 32. For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel. Those are judges. Really? Samson had faith? According to this, he did. According to this, he did. And they even mentions the prophets. The prophets. Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Malachi, Habakkuk, Hezekiah. What are you going to do with all these? This is the Hall of Fames. This is the Hall of Fame. These people had faith above and beyond their circumstances. It's not exhaustive. It's just representative. Verse 33. Who by faith conquered kingdoms. Think about Joshua walking around the walls of Jericho. Let's blow a horn. Do that seven times. Do you realize, Lord, how stupid that sounds? You want me to what? Can't you just sort of... I mean, you dammed up the Jordan River. It's going to make us look kind of corny to walk around the walls of Jericho, blow a horn, and go back to camp. You know? They're just going to say, that there's a military strategy. Right? But you know what? Josh never said that. I mean, take a lap, dudes. Came mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. 
That's pretty impressive if you think about it. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death by the sword. And they went about in sheepskins and in goatskins and destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men of whom the world was not worthy. But I want to show you something. Look at verse 39. All of these having what? Gained approval. Know something there? Did you see something there? Verse 2. They gained approval. Verse 39. They gained approval. Everybody that's in the middle of that thing had gained approval. How? By faith. By faith. Approved by God because of their faith. And now listen, you read through that list. I mean, I'm not going to spend the, the time on it. As great as they were, incredibly. And listen, you would have to go through this list and say, these people's faith was tested. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say Tested. Would you you'd say test? I'd say tested. I mean, I would actually look at it and say, boy, I hope I don't have to be tested. <laughs> you know, I know that he can do exceedingly. And I hope it ain't on the list. As strong as their trust proved to be, their lives before us as models, as patterns. Okay, that's powerful, isn't it? How are you saved in the Old Testament? And these people are examples, models. Follow this, right? Read the end of verse 39. All of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. These are the people who are models of divine, virtuous, God-exalting faith. These are people who set the standard for how you and I are to live our lives. Trusting in God in difficult circumstances without wavering. Paul, in Mamatine prison, getting ready to have his head cut off, told Timothy, he says, my race is about done, boy. It's paraphrased. But stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Stand. These men and women who are pinnacles of the Old Testament redemptive history and with all that faith, all that divine approval, they did not receive what was promised. Verse 40, because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Because God had something. They didn't get the promise because God had something better. And that better was for you and I in our time. It's apart from us. But it is our time. They should not be made perfect. 
the text said. Okay, if you take the letter, and I don't want to go through all of it because just it's online. Go t- listen to Hebrews. If you go back through the book of Hebrews and you see the word perfect, it is synonymous for salvation. Teleos, it's completeness. Lacking nothing. Teleos is really the, the little word. It's lacking nothing. That's salvation in the letter to the Hebrews. Truthfully, if it's you're really honest with your eye. If you're lacking nothing, then you must be saved. Because if you look at lost people, they're always looking for something. A Christian has it all. I have everything I need for life and godliness. What is being said? As great as their faith was, as noble as their faith was, as awesome as their faith was, they would never be saved apart from a promise that is to be fulfilled, and it was to be fulfilled in our time. You got that? Apart from the new covenant in Christ Jesus, there would be no salvation for the old covenant saints. They were saved. But they weren't saved by any anything inherent in the Old Covenant. They weren't saved by keeping the law. They weren't saved because, oh, I believe. Okay? Because i got to ask you a question. What Bible did Rahab read? Okay? Now, I wouldn't mind reading Abraham's Bible. That narrative would have been easy to memorize. Okay. By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. They weren't saved because they were something inside of them that made them worthy of salvation. They didn't do anything to merit it. The only way they could possibly be forgiven for their sins and granted salvation is that their sins be atoned for. Abraham's sins needed to be atoned for as much as anybody in this room's sins had to be atoned for. Daniel's sins had to be atoned for as much as anybody, and I don't care what degree their faith is. Penalty had to be paid, and that only happened in Christ. Period. That is the new covenant. It's a marvelous reality if you think about it. You know what's really marvelous about it? And this will drive some of you guys nuts. And you'll get over it. God knowing beforehand. God ordaining beforehand the death of his son. Do you know that that plan was in place before creation? I know. Yeah, are you? Oh, yeah, that's what it says. God, knowing this beforehand, applied what was to come to them in the past. The old covenant saints, because he was that sure of the fulfillment of the new covenant. There had never been a, if, if there had never, ever been a new covenant the old covenant saints would never be saved. 
the prophets, the kings, the righteous kings. Abraham, Joshua, 12 tribes of Israel. Because, let, let, let me make this as specific as I can. There is nothing, please hear me, there is nothing in the Old Covenant to redeem them. It ain't in there. Now do you understand when you bring ceremonialism and ritualism and try to blend it into the New Covenant, how hideous that is. It is important to understand no matter how loyal they were, no matter how devoted they were to following the word of God, no matter how great their faith in God was, no matter how repentant they are over their sin, if Jesus is not the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, never will there be any salvation. It's impossible. Listen, Jesus is the promise to come. Because God had provided something better for us. So depart from us, they would not be made perfect. They would not be saved. Saved. Jesus came. Jesus died. And he died to atone for sin. And he was rose from the dead. And he accomplished the perfect when he hangs on the cross and says, Tell Telestai, it is finished. He means it is finished. It is finished in the past. It is finished in the present. It is finished in the future. And God, before that ever happened, applied what he knew would happen, what he had planned to happen, and what was in his timeless, eternal purpose to those in the past. I think that's awesome. I mean, that just makes me want to jump up and down. Well, maybe not too much. You know, you ask a person, how was somebody saved in the Old Testament? By faith. Okay. See, God accepted their faith because Christ Jesus would bear their sin. There had to be a sacrifice for sin. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. They, in some cases, had all the pictures and rituals. Abraham didn't. Okay? Moses was just working on it. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, you can take the greatest examples of the Old Testament faith. These who have endured the worst circumstances. Faith never wavered under all of these circumstances. And and you can tell them no matter how their faith, no matter how their faith was, how great their religion was, how great their devotion was how great their keeping of the law was if christ never came to the cross you would have to tell them they are perishing in hell they could not be made perfect without what has happened in our time 
without the gospel that they were looking for, hoping in that fact. If you look at 11.10, he was looking, speaking of Abraham, he was looking for the city which the foundation, whose architect and builder is God. He was looking forward. Drop down there to verse 25 and 26. What does it say? Speaking of Moses. Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering, did you read that? That writer of Hebrews is a little goofy, isn't he? Moses. Moses was considering the reproach of who? Christ. He considered that reproach greater than the riches of the treasures of Egypt. He was looking for that to that reward. How in the world did Moses know about Christ? He considered the reproach of Christ greater. That was the foundations of his faith. How did he know Christ? Moses knew that a greater prophet was coming. He did know that because God had revealed it to him. Moses knew God would send a redeemer. He knew that. Okay. He saw it in every animal sacrificed, every lamb that was slain at Passover. He understood emphatically that a redeemer was coming, a perfect lamb of God that would take away the sins. But he also knew it was just a symbol. He would rather endure the sufferings of the age bearing the reproach of Christ and considered it of greater riches than being an heir to Pharaoh. He was looking forward. Old Testament saints were saved by faith. Faith in God. And a faith that God would provide a sacrifice that would take away their sin. That's what they looked to. Please hear how I stated that. Would take away their sin. That's what they lived by. Guess what? God did. In the person of Christ. Had that not happened. The best, most devoted, most faithful, most loyal, most sacrificial heroes of redemptive history would be in hell forever. Christ covers the sin of all who believe God provided better. Okay, now I want to show you one more text. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Peter state, makes this statement. As to this salvation, speaking of the salvation of Christ that comes through Christ. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. 
Verse 11, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Okay? As to this salvation, this grace to come. Who's he speaking of? The prophets. The Old Testament prophets. They searched. They dug at it. They looked for it. They sought it. They were desiring it. They wanted to know what? Who and when? Who and when? Who's going to be the sacrifice? And when is this sacrifice going to take place? You know what's amazing about this? Where do the prophets get the word from? God. They're getting the direct revelation of God to them. And now they're trying to understand what it is they're saying. God is going to take away sin. And the Lord is going to bring a sacrifice. Okay. The sins wrote about it. And then after they wrote about it, they searched it to try to understand the person at a time. The when and the who. When is this going to happen? Under the old covenant, they knew there had to be a sacrifice for the atonement of sin. They knew that. They knew that all the little animals and all the blood and all that was a picture. And there had to be some point we're going to be redeemed. We are going to be reconciled and it will come through a suffering servant. That's the old covenant. You know what the new covenant is? When's Christ coming back? Guess what? We search to understand it, don't we? And yet we have the revealing of God. We know it's coming. Right? We don't know when. Nor did the prophets. Holy Spirit has told us, the Spirit of God, He predicts the sufferings of the Christ. He predicts His glories to follow. Oh, did you get that? Did you pick up on that? What were they searching for? The person... The time that the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as they predicted the sufferings of Christ. And what did he say would be next? Okay, when was the sufferings of Christ? 2,000 years ago, right? We all seen the Mel Gibson movies. What was going to happen after the sufferings of Christ? The Old Testament prophets were looking at the when and who. You know what? I look back. I know the when and who. Their salvation was based on faith in what God would do. They understood that. Let me ask you a question. Is your faith based on what God would do? God provided a Redeemer. God did it. The Old Testament saints... We're never saved by keeping the law. 
They were saved by trusting in the grace of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God for sins, which the law pointed out. See, that's the point. But I want to leave you with this thought, and we're going to close right now. Because I want you guys to think about this really close. This message is the glory of the new covenant. Okay? I want you to think. They made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person and time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ. And what does it say? The glories that follow. What time frame would that be in? That's us, people. Go look at John 17. Jesus, that's what I call the Lord's Prayer. I mean, again, but that's the Lord and He's praying. Okay. And He says, My glory. I give them. When? It will be the glory of the new covenant. Do you understand possibly why it is important that you and I understand the new covenant? Because it is the glories of God released on humanity for this time. We'll try to pick it up next week. Father, I praise you for your word and your covenants. Father, I thank you for all of them. Father, the covenant that pointed out that we were sinners in need of a redeemer. The Father providing that redeemer. We are so inadequate. Father, when we think about salvation, I think that at the moment of our salvation, we are now servants of a new covenant. Father, that brings glory unto you. Father, may we be be diligent to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. Father, may we be diligent to bow to your spirit. Even as Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Father, help us. Help us who are called by your name this glorious day. Rest in the absolute assurance of who you are, what you're doing. And knowing that you fulfill it before our very eyes. Father, you have loved us as we understand no love. Help us, Lord. Help us love the way you love. The passion and glory that you have shown us. Father, when I think about the Old Testament saints who had faith, greater, greater faith. And yet, Father, what we have made theirs obsolete. Hmm. Help us, Lord, to walk in that wondrous truth. To your glory and praise. Amen.